Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. One of these days, faith will be restored in the American electoral process. And I am so glad right now to welcome Senator Johnson. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, I'm doing well, Bo, but I'm really calling just to thank you and your audience uh, for helping me. Because uh, uh, Radio Tasha hosts like yourself that, uh, first of all, educate the public, but uh, also audiences that uh, during the campaign where I'd call in and give them the old website, uh, people responded and provided me the resources to uh, really defend myself against all the lies and character assassination and, and survive this, uh, this re-election. So I want to thank you and your audience. Well, sir, it is my pleasure and honor to have had you on the program and to have you on the program. You said from the very beginning that this was going to be a tough race. You told us the very first time you joined us here when um, when you announced you were running again uh, to this audience that they should expect this to maybe come down to the wire, but you thought that you, with the help of good people of this country, would be able to prevail and this one did come down sort of, we were wondering, after it looked like you had crossed the threshold of victory, it still wasn't announced for a little bit of time, and some of us were getting a little anxious, but indeed, you did prevail. What do you think, um, why do you think, by the way, that they didn't announce it right away? Oh, I'm pretty sure the the Mandela Barnes campaign was talking to the networks, uh, trying to give them uh, as much time as possible to find something that they could use, uh, pr- probably see if they just couldn't come up with enough votes to get us at 1% or below so you could do a recount, bring in Mark Elias like uh, they did in Florida quite a few years ago against Rick Scott and just try and manufacture uh, votes. But uh, the good news is uh, you know, we, we went on the offense, so we had all the data, and uh, we haven't completely fixed our election system here, but uh, – we had a very robust election integrity component to my campaign, you know, combined with the RNC, the NRSC, the Republican Party of Wisconsin here. We had attorneys. We had 5,000 poll workers uh, versus 1,650 in 2020. We had filled every uh, poll observation shift. Uh, so we, we had eyes on the ground. Uh, we challenged a number of uh, uh, activities, uh, one lawsuit. So uh we re- we restored some credibility uh we restored confidence to our election system here so when when the votes were uh when the election was over and they started counting the votes and stuff we had a pretty pretty high level of confidence that whatever the vote came in because we were following you know the chain of custody of the ballots and the the flash drives and i mean we really did a pretty good job from that standpoint and so you know i won obviously our gubernatorial candidate lost on a bipartisan basis, everybody accepted the results, and that's that's a good thing. Now, we, we have things to, to fix yet in the state, and it's very disappointing that our gubernatorial candidate lost because now we're not going to have a governor that will actually sign the, the real election reforms. But um, they, they were they were playing games. The networks were. They, they hate my guts. And uh, they were trying to afford Mandela Barnes as much opportunity as possible to, to uh, mess with the results if they could. 
Now, you know, it's an interesting thing, um, and I don't know what this says. Maybe maybe you can speculate on this. I was very disappointed looking at the results of New York uh, in, one, in one aspect. Number one, I think Lee Zeldin actually may be responsible for uh, the number of congressional seats that flipped in New York. And that may yet provide the margin of victory for retaining the House of Representatives. It could be those New York seats. And I think that one of the issues that was big was crime. Now, crime raised its head in your race, too. You had Mandela Barnes, who openly, openly said that he wanted to dump the prison population, get get rid of it by half. These guys are not even, uh, Senator, they're not even making a secret about their disdain for holding criminals and making criminals accountable for their actions. When I look at things like that, I say, well, this isn't going to be close. No one wants criminals on the street, but apparently in New York, voters want criminals roaming the streets. That's what they voted for. And Mandela Barnes came very close, uh, closer than to me he should have given his hostility toward keeping, um, toward, toward providing basic security for the people of the state. Do you think that this, are we looking at this issue the wrong way? No, well, first of all, you know, the question I'm asking is how bad does it have to get before Democrat voters open up their eyes and realize, you know, these policies are insane. I mean, the out-of-control deficit spending sparking 40-year high inflation, the war on fossil fuel, you know, creating record gasoline prices, high energy prices, which also impact inflation, the, the, the soft on crime policies, which were, which really was the issue uh, in, in certainly my campaign against Lieutenant uh, Governor Barnes, but there were all kinds of different things that indicated uh, you know, what a radical he was, the open borders, the flood of deadly drugs. I mean, how bad does it have to get for Democrat voters to say, no, we're, we're going to reject these things and you know, may, maybe give Republicans a chance? Um, I think that's probably the most disappointing part of the result here. Um, but it shows the power of the mainstream media, is what I would argue. The Democrats had no problem lying. You know, not in my race, not in all these races across the board. That's disappointing that you've got a political party that with impunity, from President Obama to President Biden to you know, all these candidates, just lie through their teeth. And unfortunately, the mainstream media amplifies their lies. Uh, they feed them uh, distorted stories. The, the mainstream mess press will... Uh, Publish those stories, give them a headline that they'll use in their ads. I mean, it's a circular process. It's a, you know, they've got a good, good little thing going there. Uh, our education system, our media, and the, the radical left and the Democrat Party are all cooperating together. And uh, it's all coming to fruition, and it's a very powerful force. And I, that's, that's quite honestly what I uh, credit the, the Democrats' uh, uh, success in not in pushing back a red wave. In a sane world, we would have had a red tsunami. Let me ask you a question about Social Security, about the other entitlement programs. Now, there are a lot of politicians, especially on the Republican side, that wouldn't dare do what you did and actually even bring up the fact that we need to reform some of these entitlement programs because they know as soon as they mention Social Security, as soon as they mention any of the other entitlement programs, they know that whatever they say is going to be distorted 
in the mainstream press. It's going to be distorted by your political opponents. You knew that before you. What made you decide that you wanted to? I mean, you don't lie to your voters. You said that you want to, you say you want to reform some of these things that are going bankrupt. Why even bother telling people that when you know whatever you say is going to be distorted? Why do you do it? But what, what's the point in trying to serve an office if you're not trying to solve these problems? Trying, you know, I'm trying to save Social Security. So since before I ran in 2010 or when I first started running, I was talking about how Social Security is a pay-as-you-go system. It is. Uh, you don't have money. Your money that you pay in the system isn't put in an account for you. Um, it gets you know, accounted for, but that money is spent on current retirees. It's a, it's a pay-as-you-go system, which worked fine uh, back when there were 45 workers for every one recipient. Now we're under three workers for every recipient. Uh, benefits now are uh, – so there are more benefits uh, being paid out than revenue coming into the – Social Security system, so now the trust fund is, is decreasing. And the biggest risk to Social Security is when that trust fund runs out, will we have the full faith and credit of the uh, general fund to plus up the benefits to, you know, make up for the shortfall in the revenue when you no, no longer have the bonds? And quite honestly, will we have the financial wherewithal to have the Treasury float more bonds uh, because that's all that happens when, you know, the Social Security Trust Fund issues, a, you know, tries to redeem a bond. The Treasury just wants another bond. And the U.S. government's got to be able to borrow that money. And the risk, and here's the dollars and cents. Uh, if we would just revert to the average interest rate the federal government paid on its debt over the last three decades of the previous century, 5.4%. We've been keep, keeping interest rates artificially low at 1.4% to accommodate all this deficit spending, that would add $1.2 trillion per year to our interest payment, which would have to be paid without defaulting, which would make interest rates skyrocket even further. $1.2 trillion is what we spend on Social Security this year. That's that's what everybody is whistling past the graveyard on. And so I'm just telling people the facts. I'm, I'm saying this is what we need to avoid. We can't afford spending, let's say, $369 billion on the Green New Deal energy boondoggles, corporate welfare going into the pockets of Al Gore, if we want to expect, if we expect the federal government to be able to plus up benefits when the trust fund runs out. So, you know, people don't like hearing the truth, but I just relentlessly tell it. Let me ask you another question, because right now the health care entitlements, um, what Obama promised us when he, when the Democrats, without a Republican vote, shoved Obamacare down the throats of America, what they promised us that is that we would watch the curve on health care bend. It would get lower. We were promised that average savings would be about $2,000 a year over what people were paying then. None of that has materialized, not to mention the other things that you'd be able to keep doctors and all that stuff which it all turned out to be false. So we've had our health care system in America turned upside down, and now we've lived it with it for so long that people are used to it, but none of the cost savings from this have ever materialized. And the federal entitlements, Medicare, Medicaid, all of this stuff is still rising in cost every year. Are we going to be able to promise future generations that they're going to get the health care that they need, either privately or through the government? 
Well, first of all, you were right. The uh, you know, Obama's promise, if you like your health care or your doctor, you can keep it. Uh, that was the PolitiFact uh, lie of the year in 2013. The reason I think it's not such a big issue is the main pain of the, the Obamacare falls on a very small percentage of the American population, people who buy insurance on the individual market and actually have to access those Obamacare policies. about the 5 6 7% of the American population. And they're the ones that have seen their premiums double, triple, quadruple because we made them bear the full cost burden of covering people with pre-existing conditions. Rather than spraying that over everybody where we barely even notice it, we forced it on that. The reason it's not such a big deal, it's a small percentage of the population, and so many of those people have their health care totally paid for by the government. And so it just gets, you know, flies under everybody's radar, and, and people don't notice it. Just incre- It's just part of the additional cost of government that we can't afford. Um, but, no, you know, all, all this uh, health care, these health care costs continue to rise because we have a broken health care financing system. We've removed the discipline or the benefits of a, a free market system out of health care because the th- these third-party payer systems um, but that's another thing people are just whistling by the graveyard on. When, when you've got 70% of the federal budget on called mandatory spending, and that's what got me in trouble here, is I say you know, we ought to put everything together. We shouldn't have dif- differentiation between mandatory and discretionary. It ought to be one big budget, budget. That's what it is for families. And that's where people uh, you know, started ripping into me that I want to put it on the chopping block. No, I, I want to save these programs, but we're not even looking at them in a, in a realistic way. And, of course, we, we saw so many problems with our entire medical establishment during COVID. Uh, you know, the top-down nature of it, uh, not letting doctors practice medicine and be doctors, uh, dictated by the, the likes of Fauci who just don't practice medicine. They don't know what they're talking about. So there are a lot of problems in our society, but particularly in our healthcare system was exposed during COVID. One, one of the reasons I decided to run again is to advocate for the vaccine injured, for example. Yes, and I hope that we see some progress on that, and I hope – I am so hopeful. What do you think the chances are that we will have control of the Senate? We, well, mm. yeah, it's it. We 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 should have gained control. Uh, it's looking like it's pretty tenuous right now. It may come down to uh, to Georgia. You know, hopefully, Adam Laxalt can win in Nevada. Uh, I listened to uh, Carrie Lake on another program. She seems pretty confident of uh, a lot of the ballots that haven't been counted yet. But by the way, just a quick aside, isn't that outrageous? Outrageous. I mean, um, come on. You know, you cannot get your votes in. I mean, you know, I, I always adhere to the KISS principle, keep it simple. Um, we have overcomplicated our election system to the point where they're almost dysfunctional. You know, we are the most technologically advanced nation in the world. We cannot run an election in certain states, in, this, in the same states, over and over and over again. <sighs> It is it is beyond disgusting. It's almost it, by, by, like by design, isn't it, Bo? Yeah, it does appear to be by design. Gee, isn't that strange? Well, we are so glad that you were able to to have the election integrity unit in place, and I know you must thank all those people who volunteered to went to the polls, did not sit home, didn't sit this one out, and I thank them too. And and for this audience. Thank you, uh, Senator Johnson, for standing up for conservative principles and not being afraid to tell the truth about the dire circumstances that our finances as a nation are in. Thank you so much, and we are so glad 
that you won re-election. Well, again, thank you for your help and support. Have a great day. Stay well. Thank you. Senator Ron Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, he did win, and thanks all of you in this audience who supported him and support conservatism. We appreciate it. We'll be right back right after this. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.